0: Hello and welcome to the Middle East Forum speaker webinar series and podcast. I'm Stacey Roman and I will be moderating this discussion today. We are pleased to have Sam Westrop, Director of the Middle East Forum's Isomus Watch, and Benjamin Baer, uh, who will be joining us shortly, hopefully, uh, head of the counter is Grade, join us to update us on the accomplishments of their respective projects over the past year. Mr. Westrop and Mr. Baer will speak for 15 15- minutes. 10- 10 minutes each, then open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. Now with that, I will turn the discussion over to Sam Westrop, who will be starting us off.
1: Thank you, uh, Stacey, uh, for, for the introduction. Um, as, as Stacey mentioned, my name is Sam Westrop. Uh, I direct the Islamist Watch project, and this call is really to explain some of the things we've been doing this year, why we think they're important and to uh, hint at some of the upcoming counter-Islamist efforts that our project will be pursuing. Um, When Ben joins us later, he'll speak about the work of the counter-Islamist grid and our efforts to counteract Islamism locally across the United States. Uh, But for the moment, I wanted to tell you about South Asia. Um, Now this may seem an odd um, subject for a representative of a forum called the Middle East, Forum. Uh, but South Asia is is vitally important to Islamism um uh, I think this has seemed more apparent in recent years with events in Pakistan and Afghanistan recently but the truth is Islamism has always had a very heavy South Asian component to it um, the early thinkers of 19th century who uh, Uh, whose ideas helped generate Islamist thought uh, in the 20th century were from the British Raj and from various parts of Asia. Uh, Early early 20th century Islamism included people like Abdul Allah Mordudi, uh, one of the leading figures of of Islamism uh, in the world uh, and uh, uh, founder eventually of um, a major Islamist party in what became Pakistan. So South Asia has always been important. And just think, you know, after the 9-11 attacks, It wasn't a Middle Eastern country, the U.S. and its NATO allies invaded. It was a South Asian one, Afghanistan. Um, Now, when it comes to Islamism in the West, um, we primarily think of it still as a Middle Eastern phenomenon. But the fact is the uh, demographics of of Western Islam are heavily South Asian within the U.S. and especially in the United Kingdom. Um, uh, A clear plurality of American Muslims are South Asian. and That includes not just Sunni, but Shia. As, as well, a fact often ignored by, by mainstream media and even academics who, who study this uh, subject. So South Asia is key. And I think if we'd been talking you know, five, 10 years ago about major regimes around the world which are funding Islamism, we would have been talking about places like Saudi Arabia. Um, but the truth is things have changed. Saudi Arabia is in the process of uh, enormous change. And over the past year, Islamist Watch has noticed this and has written about this and has tried to theorize if Saudi Arabia is withdrawing from its traditional role as an Islamist patron, as an Islamist uh, 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 benefactor, well, who is replacing it? And we've come to the conclusion that there is a new Sunni Islamist alliance operating across the Western world and that Islamist alliance is led by three states, um, Qatar, Turkey and Pakistan. Uh, and these three regimes operate in close coordination. They may not have exactly the same ideological ideas driving uh, their agendas, but they certainly regard uh, each other as useful allies. So over the past year, uh, Islamist Watch has has sought to highlight uh, examples of this in new alliance, and especially the iniquities of Pakistan and its heavy involvement within American Islam, Um, for example. In 2019, um, uh, Imran Khan, the current leader of Pakistan, addressed a major Islamist conference in the United States, uh, that of the Islamic Society of North America, and called on them to agitate against India, to advocate for Kashmir, uh, to fight against Islamophobia, usual Islamist uh, uh, motifs. Um, That speech was followed by an extraordinary effort uh, by Pakistan to exert a greater influence, both financial and logistical, on Western Islam. We saw new organizations being set up. We saw lobbyists hired in DC. We saw money flowing from various grant-making Pakistani foundations to to, uh, Islamist groups uh, across the country. We saw uh, clerics and activists increasingly siding with the Pakistani regime and its ruling party, the PTI. Just a few weeks ago, Yassir Khaddi, one of the most prominent clerics within American Islam and uh, one of uh, a new uh, breed of Salafi, imams in America, went to Pakistan where he met with uh, senior leadership, where he met with senior PTI officials. Pakistan is a new patron of Western Islamism. And it's not just funding, it's not just supporting through its rhetoric and, and other logistical means, it's actively getting involved, setting it up its own front groups and proxies in the same way that we've written about Qatar doing so, and, and Turkey doing so. So a big piece for us this year was an investigative look at something called the Houston Network. Uh, which is an array of, of, of dozens of Pakistani regime aligned uh, organizations based out of Houston, uh, working with congressmen and uh, a huge Pakistani-backed PACs and other donor clubs to influence American politics thoroughly in favor of the Pakistani regime's agenda. Um, this will, organizations that were set up by the Pakistanis, we discovered, uh, immediately wielded enormous financial power, spending hundreds of thousands on um uh advertising and, and pulling in protests from around the country to to run big events and and so on these groups work closely we found with uh pakistani embassies and consulates um uh, as well as isi agents the intelligence uh, uh services of pakistan much feared intelligence services of pakistan as well as islamists across america including folks we've been writing about for the last 10 years um this is an extraordinary effort and no one else has really noticed it um uh, we've written half a dozen pieces exposing different aspects of this, uh, focusing, for example, on groups like the Indian American Muslim Council, uh, a very important uh, uh, Islamist movement tied once to e Islami, a very prominent South Asian Islamist movement, are um, comments are reporting uh, the fact we noted they received federal funds through covid relief yielded furious responses not just from uh the indian american muslim council but a whole array of their islamist allies in both south asia and the middle east so our work is having an effect it's being noticed uh and we're exposing a new reality about islamism uh that others have not quite cottoned onto yet Uh, a recent piece of ours in um uh, National Review exposed the jihadist ties of the new Pakistani ambassador to the United States. I noticed that uh, he has long served as a coordinator uh, on behalf of Pakistan for Islamists in the West. Um, his appointment to the US, we theorized, and I think pretty reasonably, is that not only can he represent a more Islamized and more jihadist prone Pakistan, but he can serve to coordinate Western Islamists on behalf of the Pakistani regime. Um, Again, these articles are noticed, especially in South Asia, and especially by the enormous diasporas, both Indian and Pakistani diasporas across the US. There is an enormous amount going on. And to top it all off, um, the Qatari networks and the Turkish networks are uh, responding to this and and working with these Pakistani proxies to advance this message, um, attacking us in, in attacking the Middle East forum, attacking Islamist watch in Qatari and and, and Turkish media, have been uh, explicit mentions of our work on these South Asian Islamist groups. Meanwhile, organizations we've noticed like um, uh, the union of NGOs in the Islamic world and a very important Turkish regime, charitable umbrella uh, is now operating heavily in Pakistan. And we exposed the fact that it brought Western charities, Western 501c Islamist charities over to Pakistan to meet with senior Uh, uh, radical activists, including those with very strong terrorist links, uh, and where they referred to America and the European Union and Britain as our natural enemies. No one else is following this kind of information. No one else is studying these groups because people are too focused on parts of the Middle East that are no longer funding Islamism as much as they once were. Um, Now, some parts of the Middle East still remain heavily involved in the Islamist world, I've mentioned too, Qatar and uh, Turkey, and of course on the Shia side, there's also Iran and and parts of of Lebanon. We're not uh, ignoring these parts of the world at all. Um, In fact, just over the past few uh, uh, days and in the upcoming weeks, you'll see a series of articles exposing our discovery of Qatari money moving to hundreds of Islamic organizations around the world. In fact, we have um, acquired a data set, discovered a data set of 46,000 grants issued by the Qatari regime, worth almost a billion dollars to radical organizations around the world, including millions to, uh, in, 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 to, to Hamas affiliates in Gaza, to Al Qaeda affiliates uh, elsewhere, to radicals in Europe and North America as well. Uh, huge amount of money from the Qataris going to Pakistan. This, this uh, allegiance, this new Islamist axis uh, proves its existence time uh, after time. Um, there's a huge amount I could uh, discuss. We've risen a huge amount on this. I won't go too much into it, but I did want to mention this one point. Um, I'm sure we will notice the uh, extraordinary events in Afghanistan over the past uh, uh, few months. Um, there has always been a strong element of pro-Taliban support within Western Islam, primarily from its South Asian diaspora, particularly within a a movement called the Dayabandis, who are a sect of South Asian Islam, uh, born in the 19th century under under British rule in the Raj. Um, Dayabandi mosques across this country, Europe, uh, there's long been allegations of pro-Taliban sentiment. And in the wake of the Taliban's routing of the Afghan army and its uh, takeover of, of, of Afghanistan, we certainly noticed um, uh, uh, quite a bit of overt pro Taliban sentiment. And we wrote about that. I and mean, maybe you, you read it on our, on our, in our articles and in our, in our websites. Um, we noticed this, but we feel this is just the tip of the iceberg. We feel that there is a great deal more to pro jihadist, pro Taliban support within uh, Western Islam than we know. And um, this, we think, is because these day of anti mosques. Uh, tend to be quite off the grid. Very few have an active social media or even a web presence at all. A lot of their information is disseminated through uh, in-house publications and through sermons behind closed doors. We think it's vital to better understand these groups. So over the next year, we will be investigating uh, these radical mosques around the country, around both in in Europe, Western Europe, and in North America, and looking at the growing pro-Taliban, pro jihadist sentiment we're finding um, uh, here in the U.S. The same goes for a group called the Barelwis, traditionally uh, a rival of the Day of in, in in South Asia. Um, Barelwis have become increasingly once they were once thought of as a very moderate component to, to South Asian Sunni uh, Hanafi Islam, but now they're seen as growing, well, increasingly radicalized. And indeed, as uh, a great deal of violence uh, in Pakistan has been carried out by Barelwi Muslims, but more importantly, in the West. Um, we saw Boreli mobs rampaging around um, uh, in Britain, shouting anti-Semitic slogans and attacking even other Muslims during the recent Gaza conflict uh, in France. So one of the recent terror uh, attack uh, suspects was himself uh, a Boreli Muslim inspired by a radical Boreli group called Dawati Islami. Uh, and we're seeing here in the US, we're seeing increasingly hostile Boreli movements uh, grow in power and size. Uh, interestingly, a lot of our work tracking finances show a lot of these groups take federal monies as well in the form of various relief programs and the tax vouchers and so on. So a lot more is coming on this front as well. The Islamist world is changing, or at the very least, movements within the Islamist world that were once regarded as obscure and are coming to the fore. And it's all very well talking about the Muslim Brotherhood or Salafism. But the truth is, a lot of these movements, especially the Muslim Brotherhood, matter very little. These days, the world has changed. There are new generations of modernist Islamism within America, and there are new South Asian uh, or old South Asian networks now coming to the fore as well. So, we're trying to understand these changes, these ideological trends within Western Islam, within uh, Western Islamism, and there's a, a huge amount more to do. I'll just say one last thing, and that's terror finance. Um, we focus on lawful Islamism, uh, non violent Islamism. We're always interested more in how Islamists infiltrate um, democratic institutions rather than how jihadists seek to just blow things up. Uh, we feel the former in some ways is, is in the long run more pernicious, more dangerous. Um, uh, so that, that means that you know, we have uh, 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 primarily an interest in islamist politics, Islamism in the media and so on. However, it's, Foolish to deny that Islamism has always had, even lawful Islamism has always had an unlawful component and that usually takes the form of terror finance. And I'm sure many of you will remember during the 2000s and the early 2010s, the fact that so many Islamists Groups that were considered lawful organizations had officials arrested or various partner charities investigated for terror finance, often to do with the funding either Hamas or or, or elements of Salafi jihad in the Middle East. Well, South Asia also has a terror finance angle. Um, We have exposed over the past few years, and you can again read about this in our writings and reports, we have exposed consistent funding and support from. American South Asian Islamist organizations, to jihadists uh, in South Asia, to Jayshin Muhammad, to Lashkar uh, taiba to Hezbollah uh, Mujahideen, Jihadist groups in Kashmir, backed by Pakistan, with open, uh, with, with friends here in the US, with supporters here in the US, who mostly support these groups with near impunity. Uh, for whatever reason, law enforcement has not been good at clamping down on these these unlawful support for a lot of the time, unlawful support for for designated jihadist uh, groups. So uh, there's a huge amount to do. Um, uh, Our fight is not just academic, it relates to actual terror finance, it relates to actual infiltration of Western institutions, of our institutions, Um, but it's mostly at uh, the uh, federal uh, level. Now, Um, My colleague Ben Baird is not yet here to talk about our efforts at the local level, so I'm hoping he'll join us in a few minutes. Uh, I believe he's doing an interview on a very similar subject for a a media outlet right now. Um, But in the meantime, let me just sort of say a few words, I think, on his behalf. Now Ben was going to speak about the counter-Islamist grid, or SIG, as we call it, and this is part of the Islamist Watch umbrella, and it deals with, similarly, it deals mostly with lawful, non-violent Islamism, Uh, with a focus specifically on local Islamism, and we rely on on researchers and activists and uh, writers across the country who have volunteered their time for us, for which we're endlessly grateful, so they can be our local coordinates, our local, you know, eyes and ears on the ground in their own neighbourhoods, in their own cities, their own uh, states, and so we train them up, we provide them with research tools, training materials, activism toolkits, Uh, and introduce them to relevant people in politics and media and try to get them to write for us, to campaign for us, to tackle Islamism at the local level, because it is at the local level where uh, Islamist infiltration, especially of politics, is at its most uh, 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 successful, its most efficient, uh, perhaps because of the previous lack of spotlight on these these efforts. Um, Now, plenty of groups on the national level, of course, focused on 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 groups like care and uh, legislators like Gilan Omar and so on. But no one is focusing aside from SIG on local politicians, uh, local assemblymen, local uh, uh, school board uh, officials. And that's what SIG uh, tries to do. And so as one example, in March, um, we we were working in Chicago, Uh, to stop uh, Islamist-led anti-India resolutions in collaboration with local Hindu groups there. There was an Islamist coalition was trying to push a a resolution through the Chicago City Council accusing uh, uh, India of various human rights abuses, but more importantly, from our perspective, uh, trying to justify Kashmiri uh, Islamism and uh, ultimately Kashmiri uh, Jihad. A lot of the Islamists we know and have been writing about for many years were behind this bill and pushing this bill, along with a variety of, of fellow travelers. So to fight this resolution, the SIG and the Chicago Associates uh, took part in the process, organized uh, campaigns and media outreach, uh, arranged over 12,000 letters from constituents to be sent to uh, the local legislators. In fact, one legislator even remarked that he wasn't able to get any other business done because he was dealing with all the calls and emails that we had arranged over this resolution. The resolution failed um, to the surprise of its Islamist backers, and to a lot of observers, the our local model can work. Uh, we require volunteers. We require um, uh, uh, the intelligence and uh, the sort of as uh, the intelligence information and research to to know where to focus. But once we have the people and the information, we can we can affect change. We can stop. Uh, local resolutions, and we can highlight Islamist infiltration in these uh, local uh, settings. Uh, SIG is just one of a variety of projects that Ben is involved with. He also runs our Islamist in politics project in general, uh, looking at general Islamist infiltration of our political systems, and that includes finance, um, uh, money moving from Islamist groups and even foreign regimes through its proxies to um, uh, campaigns across uh, the country. Uh, And so, for example, the Turkish regime uh, is a particularly good example of that. It's um, involved with uh, an enormous number of tax and uh, uh, various um, politically involved Islamist proxy groups working to affect American politics, working to place uh, Islamist candidates into public office and working to demonize candidates that are too anti-Islamist or, or, or have expressed skepticism of the Erdogan uh, regime. This is an enormous fight going on. And The very last thing I'll say to round off this discussion before we head to a and a Q&A is that we face a, a particular problem that we've noticed over the last year more than ever. The world curiously is growing less interested in Islamism, uh, or at least much of the American world is. The media is frequently refusing to write on it, to publish on it. Uh, politicians no longer speak about it, both the left and the right. Uh, and all this while Islamist terror in Europe continues to increase, while events in Afghanistan shocked the world. You would have thought the last thing you'd want to do at this point is start ignoring the subject of Islamism. Uh, the truth is, um, things are looking pretty dangerous uh, in a lot of places and while islamism in america doesn't pose an immediate existential threat it does pose a long-term pernicious uh, civilizational threat Um, and we see that day in and day out with the changing demographics of western islamism with the changing ideas with the growing acceptance of islamist activists within government within media and so on and we're working to fight all that but it does mean we have fewer platforms available to us than we did just a few years ago. So things are are changing and not for the better when it comes to to, uh, the public's perception of Islamism. So we'll spend the next year working to change that, working to make Islamism a more mainstream subject again. Uh, And if we don't do it, hopefully a terrorist attack uh, doesn't do that. Uh, either, but for whatever reason, the American public is less interested than it once was. We think that they're wrong to discount it. We think the media is wrong to ignore it. We think politicians are insane to avoid the subject completely. Um, Europe is a harbinger for what happens in the US. You just have to look at the fear in France right now uh, over the Islamist threat, the uh, panic in Europe over increasingly segregated parts of its, its society, to realise that there is a huge issue here, and we ignore it here in the US at our peril. Um, we'll work to change that, and we have a number of efforts and initiatives planned to help you know, revitalise counter-Islamist activity and uh, to uh, force uh, the public and the media and the politicians to, to think more seriously about Islamism and the threat uh, it entails and will, will impose upon us. Uh, I'm very happy to answer any questions now. My apologies that uh, my colleague Ben was not able to join us. Uh, but uh, yes, thank you.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, we have quite a few questions coming in. The first one is Can you make a verbal distinction between Islam and Islamists in this context?
1: Mm. This is a, a good question, and and it's vital to our work. So the Middle East Forum believes that radical Islam or Islamism is the problem, and moderate Islam is the solution. So, what does Islamism mean? Well, quite simply, it's the imposition of uh, Islam as a political idea. Now, certainly not all Muslims believe this. Many regard it as a quietist expression of faith or seek to remove it from politics entirely and the whole point about Islam and Islamism that we've tried to make very clear over the last few years is that it's enormously diverse and to suggest there's one idea within even just Sunni Islam that is driving how Muslims think and act is, is just not just not true there are too many examples of internal discord and too many examples of Muslims rejecting the political expression of Islam uh, that we see within uh western islamism i'll say this and this is a point often ignored uh, the actual term islamist uh it's closest um uh, word in arabic is islamiyun is which really is the muslim brotherhood invented term of islamist so islamism is not just a, a term pushed around by western um academics and and writers like like us no it's a term used by islamists themselves so recognizing that distinction is vital and it's key to almost everything we do. And by the way, the last thing I'll say is that we work very closely with reformist Muslims, very closely with moderate uh, Muslims. Um, They have spent their life rejecting Islamism and fighting Islamism. And to ignore the distinction between Islam and Islamism is a betrayal of what they're trying to do. Um, And they need our help more than ever. And so we continue to fund them, support them, work with them. Uh, This distinction is a key part Of the counter-Islamist fight, of the fight against terrorism, of the fight against
0: extremism. Thank you so much for that explanation, Uh, from Ken Miller. How can these Islamic terrorist funding organizations be stopped from infiltrating and establishing functioning groups in American universities?
1: If we're talking about actual terrorists, as designated terrorists, then uh, there are, you know, there have been examples of, of, of jihadists operating on university campuses, certainly, and I mentioned previously that a lot of these South Asian jihadists seem to get away with operating in the U.S., or at least fundraising in the U.S. I can't think of any specific examples of actual terrorists operating on the U.S. campuses. If you're talking more broadly about Islamist radicals, then yes, they operate very uh, extensively on, on, a, on university campuses. And we and our Campus Watch project have, have, have documented that uh, uh, many times in the past a uh, few years and it's it's not just groups like Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood as I mentioned earlier but uh, South Asian organizations as well Shia uh, organizations Shia Islamist organizations very active on US campuses stopping them uh well these groups op- operate lawfully for the most part so stopping them comes down to education it comes down uh, to uh, trying to inhibit or highlight Islamist funding for universities, which is often a precursor to Islamist student groups operating within university campuses. It ultimately comes down to good investigative reporting and activism. And so we do that in collaboration, as I mentioned, with our Muslim allies, but also uh, other uh, community organizations, Jewish, Christian, Uh, as as well. There is a huge amount to do and university campuses is absolutely a very good example of a very dangerous platform uh, that we need to we need to highlight and and, and take action.
0: Speaking of Karen Carmel asks, can you provide information about local regional volunteer opportunities in the US to counter Islamist legislation?
1: Yes, well, I would suggest primarily you, you join our counter Islamist grid. And if you search counter Islamist grid uh, on Google, you'll be taken to our website. You no, know, please get in touch with us. Uh, my colleague, Ben, and I would very much uh, uh, like to recruit anyone who who wants to help with this. Um, monitoring local legislation is very important and a key part of what SIG does. Um, now, interestingly, Islamist local legislation tends not to be overtly Islamist. For example, i not seen in the last few years, any attempt to introduce a sort of overtly pro-Sharia sort of bill. No, it tends to be bills that advance uh, Islamist interests in other ways, often by advancing far left, Uh, policies or anything that gives them a certain credibility and legitimacy in order to to advance their their control over Muslim communities, but also give them political credibility within uh, 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 American political circles. Uh, So there's a lot going on and it's difficult sometimes to differentiate between what is Islamist activity and just far left activity. Um, a, an axis, I'm sure you've you've come across before, um, but there's yes, there's a, a lot going on, a lot to observe. So we need two things really. We need one people to help us monitor local legislatures and understand what's happening. Uh, 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 you know whether that's bills or resolutions or just events or just you know local mayors working with this, and this this kind of thing. It's a huge amount just to research and keep tabs on. You can help us that way. And then when we identify particular issues, what well, we want to launch campaigns. We want letter writing campaigns. We want to reach out to legislators. We want to get local media to report. You can help us with all of this. So please get in touch, and we will absolutely <laughs> use your 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 your, your time and, and help, which we would very much appreciate.
0: Thank you. And on the other side of that, the financial side, how are you able to distinguish funds going to legitimate Muslim organizations versus harmful Islamist groups? So we,
1: um, it's a good question. We uh, work to uh, catalog every single Islamist organization in the United States. And we have a very, quite well, you know, finely tuned, well honed uh, method to identify groups as either Islamist or, or not it relates to their public statements their uh, ties to other islamist groups and their finances and we scrape directly from from tax returns and other public sources millions and millions and millions of dollars of intra-islamist financing um in in total we have over 500 million dollars worth of examples of money moving around just american uh, uh islamic organizations and this really helps us understand the radicals are funding and who they're not funding and who they're avoiding. Uh, It's a great way not just to identify the extremists that we must fight but also the friends who could be possible allies. Financing is a very key clue when it comes to counter-Islamist research and this sort of big data approach of doing these mass scraping of financial sources and seeing things in a way that uh, we just wouldn't be able to see if we were looking through things one by one has been crucial to our efforts to to, to, to improve and reform and revitalize counter Islamist activity over the past year. And now we do that in collaboration with other counter Islamist groups and researchers around the world who use our data, use our analysis. Yeah, financing is key, absolutely.
0: Thank you. And Jerry Weiner asks uh, Is the Islam ideology in the West and US different in any way from the native born residents as opposed to the immigrant population? That's a very
1: good question. And actually, um, I'm, I'm so glad someone asked this because I get to talk very quickly about my other obsession, which is um, the new... Um uh, the rise in this new homegrown western islamism that we've seen over the past few years and there's always been a conflict um between uh, yes immigrant islam and 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 second third generation or even convert islam as well and i mentioned discord within the sunni islamic world earlier well that you see in, in spades when it comes to this question you're asking yes there are many differences and you observe them in many different ways across different cultural and ethnic diaspora communities uh, and so on and there's too many examples for me to go in here but one thing I will mention is this rise in in this new western islamism and what's really fascinating is a lot of these lawful islamists over the past uh, decade or so have spent a long time uh, pretending to adopt far-left ideas so you'll see islamists who behind closed doors say kill the gays Kill the Jews, you know. Uh, Suddenly, though, in public, take part in gay rights marches or or this kind of kind of far left or 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 just progressives or even just plain normal centrist liberal uh, uh, um, uh, actions, public uh, displays to try and cement and and build credibility. Now, the reason I mention this is that a lot of the new, um, a lot of immigrant uh, uh, Islamists, a lot of new sort of. Resurgent or or, 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 or or sort of repurified um, uh, nativism is are saying what well, what the hell are we doing This is a betrayal of the fundamental ideas of Islam as as these hardline radicals we uh, adhere, we seek to adhere to a very pure form of Islam. And here we are telling our children that for some reason gay rights are okay or that transgender rights are okay. This is causing a huge upset within the Muslim community. And you do see specifically this, this native and, and immigrant Islamist Uh, tension over this question and some of the the disparate voices attacking the mainstream Islamist groups for doing this have built millions of followers on social media where all they talk about are the evils of the other Islamists so this internal intra-Islamist discord is driving Islamist politics in the west and it's a very fascinating question and it's an observant one as well
0: All right, well, thank you so much. We've come to the close of our webinar. Thank you, Sam, for joining us today and being able to speak on both projects.
1: Absolutely, thank you for having me.
0: For our viewers, should you wish to support either of these projects directly, please visit our our website, meforum.org backslash participation to donate and write in the comment box the name of the project you wish to support. And please join us Wednesday for an update with Ashley Perry on uh, Israel Insider. Thank you all for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day.